Welcome to Real Truth Real Quick. My name is Adam Tarno, joined as always by Todd Wagner. Hello, Adam. Hello, friends. All right, Todd, question today is this. How old is the earth? This is important because sometimes people say, man, you're old as dirt. Yes. And you want to know how old you are. Right? Yes. Uh, I've never been invited to the earth's birthday party, so I don't really know. But it is an important question because of uh, a lot of implications that go with it. Okay? So uh, the age of the earth, it quickly devolves into a conversation about what's your understanding of the creation process. And a lot of the reasons that people want to know if we as believers can embrace an older earth is because they don't want to look stupid amongst their friends that have a bias towards um, maybe some of the hard sciences or just towards scientism in general. And we have been intimidated for a long time, we believers, have been intimidated for a long time by a Darwinistic worldview, which is that natural processes can pretty much explain everything that is here. Which, by the way, that is only 150 some odd years old. Right. Okay, I mean, we have to remind ourselves that Darwinistic theory is a theory, and a lot of times is taught as Darwinistic fact. One of the things that's going on that I think is really, really helpful is that um, we're having more and more conversations about the veracity of the different theories, and that we ought to look at the theory for intelligent design and the theory for natural design. In other words, um, the more we can take a look at what the data suggests happened, we'll take care of what I think is underneath the bigger argument, which is how old is the earth? Which is, are, are you a creationist or not? Right. And if you're a creationist, um, how do you explain what certainly looks like dirt being very, very old? So let me just have a, a few uh, goes at a couple of things. Number one, let me just say this. It sure looks like the earth is old because a lot of the processes that we look at out there that require um, the formation of fossil fuels or a diamond or, um, or erosion or the opposite of erosion, which is sedimentary buildup or the growing of stalactites and stalagmites. It looks like, wow, that must have taken a really long time. Therefore, everything that looks like sediment's been built up or erosion has happened, it must be at least as old as how we can observe certain things happen today. The problem with that is we, we even rule out when we do that the fact that there are some unnatural things in this natural earth that we live in. So volcanic eruption, okay, is not an everyday event. But when it does, we see, wow, some of the things that we thought would take a long time, okay, to happen, happen rapidly. Right. Um, floods, okay, can cause rapid layering of um, sediment all over, and it can make it look like, oh, that just happened uh, over wash off and build up over years, and it didn't. It also, we should say this, Adam, you know, um, the Bible is not a science book, okay, which I always think is a good thing. Okay, it's a good thing because science changes every couple of years. And if the Bible is truth, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he can't just kind of shift with the latest discovery. God either knows what truth is or he doesn't. And science is uh, not the enemy of faith, okay? Um, we should say this right here. The opposite of faith is not science or reason. The opposite of faith is disbelief. The opposite of reason is irrationality. Okay, um, the scientific method, okay, and scientific hypothesis is a wonderful thing, but it's not useful when you're trying to prove history. Okay, um, the scientific method is used when you can say, what we're going to do is we're going to make a statement that we believe to be true. Then we're going to collect data and we're going to see 
what we can see based on um, either experiments or things that we can collect. And then we're gonna analyze that data and then we're going to um, make a new statement. We're either gonna prove our hypothesis or disprove it. Okay, so let's just talk about a few things that happen, you know, um, that are out there. It sure looks like to get a 20-year-old person, you um, need to have first an egg and a sperm, and you're going to need uh, a zygote, and then you're going to need an embryo, and then you're going to need a fetus, and then you're going to need a baby, and then you're going to need a toddler, and then you're going to need a teenager. Okay, the, the problem is, is that the Bible makes the claim that when God created man, it doesn't necessarily say that's the way he did it. So God... Uh, when he created Adam and Eve, if there is a God, right? When he created Adam and Eve, nobody thinks that he created uh, Adam in the form of a zygote and grew him up and then introduced him that way. He just spoke him into existence. So does that mean that God's deceptive, that he created a man who's 20 years of old with apparent age and therefore he's a liar? That's one of the reasons I get a little discouraged sometimes when people say that um, if we embrace um, the, the scientific method that we gotta have an old earth, because I think they go, well, listen, the stars are, we know, light years away. And so um, if, if God created the stars just a few days before he created man, then those stars didn't have a chance through natural processes to get here if light travels at the speed of light. And so if God created a heavens where light was already here from stars that are millions of light years away, then God is a deceptive God. I, I, don't, I don't buy that. Any more than I think God's deceptive if he creates a 20-year-old man and says, from here on out, you're going to have to be around for 20 years before you're a 20-year-old man. Mm -hmm. Okay? So um, the scientific method requires um, repeatable, uh, I guess, observation. And we can't go back and repeat a one-time event, right. which is why the scientific event, again, is not great to measure historical events. Creation would be a potentially historical event. So if you want to just, I mean, I'll, I'll just say this. If you want to label me, um, I would probably be more comfortable being called a young earth creationist with an emphasis on creationist. Right. Okay? And I don't believe in what is called naturalism or scientism as a basic worldview. Why? Because I think the evidence suggests otherwise. I want to go back and remind people, Darwinistic theory has never been proven. Okay, Darwin himself, when he wrote it, famously said, wrote an appendix and said, listen, I got to admit, like just looking at something as simple as the human eye with its rods, its cones, its cornea, its retina, and all the different components of a human eye, the fact that it could have evolved over what I understand the age of the earth to be, to be this kind of complex organ. He's just talking about the eye. He says, does seem absurd almost to the highest degree. So he, he just said, listen, I think these processes are difficult to fit in what we think the age of the earth is, which is why naturalists, and scientists, scientists, not scientists, but people believe in scientivism, which is basically that the methods that we use to understand the hard sciences, biology, physics, and things like that, are also useful to prove the soft sciences, humanities, morality, and things of that effect. And I would say I reject scientism um, as a, even a, a means to prove those kinds of things. It's not the purpose of science. Science tests, repeatable events. And if you're gonna say that there's never been anything outside natural processes that intervenes, I would say the scriptures do rebuke you in your understanding of that, okay? So I think the earth looks older than uh, tens of thousands of years, 
I think probably God's dealings with humans in history is closer to the thousands of years than it is the millions of years. Though I don't think I've got to believe it's only 6,000, 10,000. Some people try and do this with the dating of um, the generations, what they, it's called the Toledot in Genesis of uh, the different generations, but that assumes that every generation is listed, okay? Which is why you hear some people say it's six to 10,000 years old. I, I don't know, mm -hmm. okay? I, I do believe that this is the record of God interacting with humans. And, um, and so I, I think the earth is younger than it looks. I don't think that makes God deceptive. Um, we, do, we do see again and again that things happen that make us go, oh wow. Famously, if you want to even just Google Carlsbad Caverns, age of stalactites and stalagmites, they used to put signs up there saying that this thing is billion, you know, 20 billion years old or millions of years old, whatever the right number is. And then they watched these things form faster than they thought, so they changed the date. And then they watched it form faster and they finally just said, this is a very old cavern. <laughs> So we don't really know, okay? We're seeing even some of the natural processes that we thought took a long time don't always take that long. Now, here's why I think you're gonna make a big mistake. If you say naturalism or scientism, which is there's never been anything outside of these processes um, uh, are, is a problem. It's also called uniformitarianism, which means as things always have been, they always will be. And I'm just going to read some Bible. Yeah. Okay. And so again, I just want to say, I think probably younger earth makes a whole lot more sense. Creationism, I think, if you look at the data, all right, and again and again, Anthony Flew, a famous atheist who was a naturalist and believed really in scientism, he recanted when he saw the evidence for what he thought was a rational explanation for creation. And kind of a, a, you know, he would drift towards a Big Bang ideology. I'm not sure I'm gonna embrace that, but I would just say, he goes, wow, it looks like we were created. It looks like something started this. Yeah. And every cause has an effect. And so all of a sudden he said, I'm no longer an atheist. Now he didn't make a profession for biblical Christianity, but he certainly rejected naturalism. Okay, so here we go. This is Second Peter chapter three, worth reading. Uh, and then we'll close with this because the Bible, last thing I'll say, the Bible doesn't even deal with philosophical atheism, which I would call scientific atheism. Here's the hypothesis. There is no God. Here's the data. We're going to collect it. We're going to analyze the data. And therefore, we're going to affirm the hypothesis. It's such an absurd idea. The Bible doesn't even really deal with it. It does deal with what's called um, practical atheism. Okay, Philosophical atheism, no. Practical atheism, sure. People live as if there is no God. And certainly during the Age of Enlightenment, and reason, we were looking for something that would give us uh, an ability to hold on to that, right? And in effect, what the scriptures say, suppress the truth, right? Okay, and uh, and that that tool has by and large been Darwinism, which is why it is so interesting in the schools why they don't let kids study the two theories of our existence side by side. By law in Texas, you have to. Most people don't even know that. All right, so we live in Texas. And um, you have to teach uh, Darwinism as a theory, and you're supposed to teach alongside that intelligent design or even creationism theory and say, okay, kids, make a decision. Here's something you need to factor in when you're making a decision. Second Peter 3. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, in other words, I'm gonna do what I wanna do, and so I need to believe what I wanna believe to do it. Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was in the beginning of creation. That's 
uniformitarianism. It's always been this way. You guys say Jesus is coming? That's crazy. And it says this in verse 5, for when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God in the past, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded by water. Um, but by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. And so what it's basically saying there is people that say things have always happened the way they've always happened, hey, God's intervened supernaturally before, right. even after the world was created, and he's going to intervene again in judgment, this time not with judgment that comes through a flood, but with judgment that comes with a fire. And so the question then, I think, that people should ask is, well, when's he going to do it? And here's what's amazing news, is God says the reason he hasn't done it yet is because he's not slow, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, wishing that none should perish, but all should come to eternal life. So what I want to do in this conversation is, for a second, let's leave the age of the earth and let's talk about uh, the brokenness of those who live on it. And I would want to engage people first on their understanding of sin and righteousness and the judgment that follows. And um, I would bring Jesus into the conversation. I just want to say that Jesus, by the way, his very first miracle, what did he do? He turned water into wine. Right. What is wine? Except grape juice with a parent age. Yeah. So was Jesus deceptive when he did that? No. He was a creator who could make things look older than they were. Right. Okay? And I'll tell you what else he can do. He can make old things new. He can take my sinful, broken heart, and he can bring it to a place of self-awareness where um, this God who's the evidence for his existence is stamped all throughout creation, including in the morality, a separate argument for the existence of God, which is the, the moral argument that there is a right and wrong embedded in all of us, um, wants me to see my wrong, see his mercy made available through the sacrifice of his son on the cross that I might be redeemed and become a new creation. And so I would want to move my conversation there quickly, and then we can go back and look at what yom means in terms of day or day age right. in Genesis 1. And, um, and look at this. I would tell you, don't be intimidated by the idea that the earth looks old. And I would tell you that don't be intimidated by the fact that the Bible is, is not a science book. Science and faith are not enemies. They're just dealing with two different realms. Okay, but there's a reason. I'll throw this in there, and I hope folks are still with us. There's a reason that when uh, naturalists and people who reject creationism came after us, they attacked the Bible on the basis of biology and geology and physics. Because if you can't um, support the age of the earth through the, uh, the Bible compared to hard sciences, then why are you gonna trust it in things you can't see? And I just wanna remind you, the hard sciences don't demand that the earth is old. And it doesn't reject Genesis. The hard sciences are there to test repeatable events, not to judge whether or not something in history is true. There we use the rules of evidence and we testify about what we know and what seems to be true and then we make a decision. Yeah, you look at your clues and you draw your conclusion. That's it. Which is similar to what you do in the scientific theory, except you've got to be able to repeat it to use the scientific theory. So um, the main thing is that we need to know that the, the God who created us is willing to make us new again. Amen. Yeah. That's a helpful answer, Todd. Thank you so much. Click on those show notes for other helpful resources. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll talk to you again next time.